bright and shiny. So of all the abiding memories that I have of Bubble Boy, of which there are many, believe me, the one that I like the best is daily rationalizing his acting career to me by saying, if Jake Gyllenhaal can make Bubble Boy, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is uh, Daily, and uh, joined with me is uh, joined with you. Joined with me. What? Yeah, fucking Sklar. I don't twins. know what's going on already. Blessed We've been. It's been five seconds. This has already gotten way out of hand. Uh, joining me uh, is. My partner in uh, sociological crime. I'm going to give you a different type of crime every every week. I've decided. Last week was metaphysical. This week it's sociological. Who knows what next week is? You, um, ever, you ever know a kind of crime that's not sociological? Yeah. Geographic. No, Dan. That's I'm, not, I'm not fucking Carmen San Diego. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bart, Bartholomew, welcome Bart. Hi. Uh, also with us uh, again, uh, my lovely wife Jamie. Hi Jamie. Hello. And joining us this week, uh, a newbie to the podcast, Fernando. Hola. Hola, Fernando. He's, uh, he's our token immigrant. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, gotta, gotta mix up the puddles. Yeah, exactly. All right, Fernando, your mission for the duration of this podcast is every time you say something, it needs to be in one of your many voices. He's actually Dana Carvey. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> yeah, let's set that bar a little higher, please. Uh, so today our uh, topic of discussion is unexpected because we got kind of bamboozled by the Coolidge. That's true. The, I don't know what happened. We I went to go buy my tickets. I, I promised you cheap thrills last week, and uh, we went to go buy my tickets today. And the Coolidge uh, did a little uh, bait and switch on me. They did a little switcheroo. Uh, so the cheap thrills screening, midnight screening, will be happening next week, not this week. So we had to uh, scramble a little bit and come up with a, a new plan of action. We felt like, you know, this was sort of, we had set aside the midnight screening, so we didn't really have any other plans. So we said, you know what, let's let's hang in, let's have some booze and some pizza, and let's let's watch an old favorite. Let's we watch dug something. into the archives. Yeah, something we, we, it is beloved, but that we, we hadn't watched in quite some time. Yes. Uh, and certainly not together. Certainly not together in, in many since, years. Since probably we were 19. Yeah, thereabouts. Uh, and so uh, this evening's topic of discussion is the one, the only, The Bubble Boy. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Swoozy Kurtz, that, Danny Trejo. That guy from Fargo. That guy from Fargo. <laughs> I mean, it's really a pretty expansive cast. Uh, this is a, a little... Scalari Brothers. Hidden gem. Scalari Brothers, indeed. Gave him the chair. Uh, this is a hidden gem from the, the year 2001. Um, and I'm not going to lie. This is one of those movies that uh, I, don't, I don't even remember how I discovered this. I must have seen it on TV well, or something. Well, it wasn't on purpose. No, I definitely didn't see it in a theater. I must have seen it on cable or, or maybe I Netflixed it or something. Um, but I've always had I mean, a... I think that was before Netflix. 
No, I, well, I, had, I had Netflix in college. We weren't in college yet. Yeah, we were. We graduated from high school in 2001 when this movie came out. So, right. well, in any event, so we in any event, college. I didn't see it in the theater, so. No. no. Uh, but I, I've always had a fondness for Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, th- this movie actually came out the same year as Donnie Darko, which is another favorite of mine that I also haven't watched and in a really long very time. Very weird juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? I mean, talk about polar opposite ends of the spectrum for Gyllenhaal coming out in the same year, too. But, like, I feel like that crazy range of movies, it's like I saw both of those movies and went, I could follow that career path. Like, I... If I made both of those movies, I would be very okay with myself, you know? Yep. Um, Bart, Bart, would you... Actually, okay, so I've seen this movie. Bart has obviously seen this movie. Fernando, you had also seen this movie. Jamie, you had never seen this movie. Which is a weird thing. So I feel like it should fall to you to uh, give our audience... Just a very basic... I want to hear your impressions. If you had to summarize this movie, tell me, tell me what this movie is all this about. Good. I want to hear. I want to hear your take on this. What I, is this? What is Bubble Boy all about? I won't even interrupt. I promise. Like literally, what is it about? <laughs> I mean, like I want your perspective. Like not just like these were the element. This was the sequence of events of the plot. But if you, like, but if you can summarize a sequence of events in this movie, yeah, I mean it's pretty complicated, <laughs> I suppose. No, but, wait, is it? <laughs> there are a lot of moving pieces in Do this you movie. Think this movie is multi-layered and deep. We didn't say D, we said multi-layered. <laughs> no, actually, Boys, we said there are a lot of moving parts. Ostensibly born with no immunities. Immunities. Boy lives in bubble. Boy decides to travel cross-country to stop his childhood sort of sweetheart from getting married. Boy meets interesting characters. Boy comes of age. The end. This is not a complicated movie. This is your standard coming of age road movie. In I a don't bubble. think. Hold up. I don't think. Wait, what is a standard coming of age movie in a bubble? Why do you think I predicted almost every key point? Because this is a very standard road movie when you strip it down to the plot. Right, it's a lot funnier. But okay, yeah, but that's no, but that actually is a fair point because you're right. The yes. the structure of the story is yes. very predictable. Yes. It's very like that. What Ed Ellison would not do well right. in this movie. Right. What makes this movie special is all of the I yeah, that you put air quotes on the special. I'm just saying special as in magnificent. Uh no, those do not deserve air quotes. <laughs> Uh, is all of the crazy details and colors and textures that are thrown yes, over that insane... Was quite sophisticated. What, what Daly is trying I didn't to say... I say sophisticated, it's just entertaining. What Daly is trying to say is that there are a lot of funny gags. Yeah, but I what mean... What Daly is trying to say is this movie is sentimental to him the same way Mannequin is sentimental to me, and thus he likes it despite its ridiculousness. <laughs> no, not despite. Because, because of. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I feel I like... would like to point out that approximately every seven minutes, Bart and Daly looked at each other like, Oh my God! This funny thing is about to happen! To the point that it lost all meaning after, like, the eighth time. It was like, something mildly amusing is about to happen. And they're very excited about it. We were. And are. And will be again. 
Yeah, no, I mean, Alpha and the Omega. It's, you know, what, what blows my mind about this movie is it's one of those things where every, every like 10 minutes, something else happens that comes completely out of left field. Which, like, no! This is, okay, you know what this is like? This is like how I first watched Princess Bride when I was like six, and then I watched it like approximately 7,000 times. Yeah. To the point that, that's the reasonable to the response. point that even when I was like 15 and I would show it to people who had never seen it before, I'm about to ruin the Princess Bride. I, kept, <laughs> I don't think you I are. kept expecting everyone to be like surprised that the Dread Pirate. Wesley, that the Dread Pirate Roberts is Wesley. Yeah. And I, like, didn't understand when they weren't surprised. And it took me a really long time to realize, like, they didn't see this movie when they were six. <laughs> they're, they're seeing it as a 15-year-old who understands these things and can recognize facial features and understands how movies work. Yeah. And they are thus not at all surprised when the Dread Pirate Roberts turns out to be Wesley. And I keep looking at them like, ah, ah, when the reveal comes. Like, didn't see that coming. Like, nothing surprising happens during this movie. Maybe it was surprising to you when you first saw it. But as a 30-year-old who's watched a lot of movies, no, no. nothing is no, no. surprising. The only thing that truly surprised me was the wildfire thing, and Which that was amazing, awesome. amazing, right? That's a great but reveal. nothing else was surprising or unpredictable in any way. Oh, come on. You're telling me that you saw the trainload of circus freaks led by Mini-Me coming a mile away? No, but, like, that's a, like, oh, he meets another crazy character. Right, no, that's when, my point. No, but it's, like, he's meeting so many crazy characters that at this point it's, like, when the train of circus freaks comes, it's not, like, oh, my God! It's just, like, oh, more crazy people. And then the fact that everyone keeps reappearing, like, that's not surprising at any point. Like, that's the way the movie's structured, you know? So it's just sort of, like... Uh, yeah, no, I don't mean from a plot perspective. I just mean, like, every... Every time a new he hits a new city or he meets a new group of people, like every bit, there each one is more preposterous than the last. And every time you see something, you're like, "Well, there's no way it's going to get more ridiculous than what I just saw." And then it continues to get more ridiculous. So I feel like you see that as a positive. Yes, yes, absolutely. How is that not a positive? Sheer, sheer force of ridiculosity is always a positive. You made that up. I made up half <laughs> of those words, yes. Because that's just like... Hilarious! Yes, all right, we, right, word is we hilarious. can't possibly cross this line, so we'll just move the line. No, I'll like, tell you what it is. That doesn't make a movie better. I'll that's just you, kind of like... All right, no, I'll well. tell you what it is about this movie. You're both right. But what it is, is that even though it gets progressively more just nonsense yeah they managed to tie things together that shouldn't be able to be tied together like for instance the circus freaks and mutating on planet px 41 and 42 if that's they, a, if they run out of room, run out of room. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a great gag i had forgotten about that gag until it happened like the way that those two twine together those are those are fantastic uh i mean even had the vulture at the end the yes the that goddamn vulture <laughs> Punani! Uh. Punani! <laughs> I like the jokes that happen for no reason. <laughs> Such as? Such as the girl 
who is holding up the little convenience store for no reason. Yep. So, I mean, uh, that serves no purpose. One of my all-time favorites is uh, Push Pop, the ice cream and curry <laughs> truck driver, who drives out of town with a band of children running after him, one of which is yelling, ice cream, ice cream, and then a little kid with a turban yelling, curry, curry. He did not have a turban. He yes. totally no, did. He did he had one of those skull no, caps. I don't know the name of it, so I'm not about to embarrass myself, but you just made the racist thing so much racist. It is not a turban. It's not a turban. It is okay, not a turban. a turban. I'm just misremembering. It is I can't. I'm not he had a thing with his head. We're, we're gonna call this not even remotely a turban. Oh, okay. It is like it's Skullcats. an ethnic hat. An ethnic hat. So I'm wearing a sombrero. I know what you're saying. No, I know what you're saying. Ethnic hat could mean anything. I was, anything push pop has a turban. That's why I was saying. Push pop has a turban. Push pop has a turban. And his name is Push, push Pop. pop Objectively, it's a turban. Yes. <laughs> a pink turban. <laughs> Ain't no fez on them. It's a turban. The detail work is pretty fast. Oh, the detail fashion. work. Oh, come on. The no. Indian man driving the curry truck no, no, no. gets super upset when he hits a cow. <laughs> oh, the details. <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about, like, uh, his ultra-Christian mom who gives him crucifix cookies that aren't just crosses. They're crosses with the little INRI scroll on the top. I mean, come on. Who goes to that extent? Or like the Shiva on top of the ice cream truck with all the different, all, ice, all cream the different ice cream cones. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you ever been karmically bitch slapped by a six-armed goddess? goddess? I love I that one. I want to so. say that to people and I know that I can't. <laughs> Best rhetorical question ever. Uh, I'm also, I mean, you know, I, I know Bart's on board with me here, but uh, our our favorite bit in the whole movie oh God. is oh God. the ransom note. The yes. ransom note bit, that is just inspired comedy. No, it's such a great thing, subversion. The thing that, no, because again, as soon as, because they've been painted as these like hardcore ridiculous Christians, so as soon as she read the fake ransom note that they made out loud, and it was like, oh, we've kidnapped your son, we want $100,000, sign the Jews, and then there's that beat, and she's like, no one will believe this note, immediately my brain filled in, the Jews would ask for more than $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what she said! But like, this is not super clever comedy! No, no, this it is isn't. like playing on every stereotype you've ever had and just putting pen to paper about it. But like, it's still a fantastic moment of jumping the shark. But it makes it so predictable because it's like, yep, that's what the hardcore crazy Christian lady's gonna say. The Jews are greedy! Like, <laughs> you know where it's going! <laughs> For the record, I'm half a Jew. <laughs> so what we say is half okay. <laughs> Bart gives it half a blessing. It's okay now. It's a Baruchah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Jesus. The other thing that I think really works for this movie is uh, Gyllenhaal, really. I mean, he really carries this movie. And, Jamie, you were the one who said earlier before we started, you know, his sort of full-bodied commitment to this premise and this before role. Before the podcast, yes, not yeah. the movie. Uh, sorry, yeah, before I started recording is what I was yes. saying. Um, I mean, he really he really gives it his yes, all. Yes, no, the only thing I really liked about the movie was how completely committed Gyllenhaal is. Like, the physicality, the voice, the performance, the character. He is completely into it. It's such a potentially offensive... I mean, it is. Yeah. But, like, a, <laughs> offensive, Push insane, pop, come on. horrible movie. 
And especially where he was in his career, like, so early on, you could see an actor being so worried, like, do I take this? And is it going to be, like, this crazy dark comedy that everyone points to as, like, where I started to break? Or is it going to be, like, the thing I'm so embarrassed about and hope no one ever sees? Like, it is a very, like, tough decision. Yeah. He doesn't hesitate he doesn't seem concerned like yeah. he is completely he 100% yeah. committed to the character well, and to the movie and to where they're going and that's fun to see especially because now he's so serious yeah you know so and like you don't see him doing this kind of stuff yeah, anymore and so i miss that part of fun to watch him with just like full abandon just yeah. like embodying this crazy character because i don't think i've ever seen him do anything like that. And I, don't I think, think he's I, done anything like that. Yeah, no, and I think I mentioned that in uh, in a previous podcast, I think we I talked about um, we were talking about director's commentaries and I said one of my favorite director's commentaries is uh, it's him and Richard Kelly on Donnie Darko. Um, and at one point and, and he's just goofy as shit in that commentary. And at one point he starts doing uh, Christopher Walken impressions. He starts doing what if Frank the Bunny was played by Christopher Walken. <laughs> and, it's, and it's hilarious. Oh my God, it is so funny. But that's, yeah, I miss I miss that side of Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Um, and I made the comparison to you, Jamie, before we watched the movie to think of it in terms of like your love of Ben Affleck. Uh, mostly for you, you love like goofy, silly Ben Affleck. Well, I love all Ben Affleck. Well, yes. I especially love goofy Ben Affleck. Well, and I, and I th- that's sort of the parallel for me is that it feels like that part of Gyllenhaal, which you don't, is, yeah, you said, you don't see very This is your surviving Christmas is what you're saying. Yeah, maybe, I guess. <laughs> this is a much better movie. Uh, it's a much funnier movie PG, than surviving Christmas. first class, squeaky stare. No. Surviving this is Christmas is wonderful. Far funnier than surviving Christmas. Um, but I think what works, well, I think a big part of what works about that role for, for Gyllenhaal is that he makes him, he makes Jimmy... I want to say childlike, but he's not, like, simple. It's not that he's immature or that he doesn't understand the world, because he totally does. No, it's that it gives him room to grow. Yeah, well, yeah he's, he's, he's just innocent. Yes. You know, he takes the idea of a boy in a bubble to almost the, like, emotional extreme. So it's not just that he doesn't, like, know about the outside world or understand, like, how the world functions. It's that he's uncorrupted. It's that he he has no cynicism to him at all. Everything is just sort of completely pure and, and wide-eyed and idealistic. I, I and don't that, know, bitch. You can't not like that character. <laughs> I got a lot to do. Well, that's the thing. He, yeah, he, he literally he call, he, he says the word bitch. He, with lear- like, he learns the word bitch on yeah, the screen. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's... And he it's, has no idea what it is. And means. it's adorable. <laughs> There's no malice in anything he says in any point in the whole movie. It's, I mean, it's hard not to love a character like that. Fernando, what do you think? Well, I think he's he's definitely like lovable for sure. He's, he's adorable, but I, don't, I just don't know if it's if that if his performance is of the caliber you guys are speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like fair. I, I don't know. Like I feel like. Yeah, when I first saw it, I remember thinking, "Oh my well, god!" Well, when did yeah, you, how long ago did you first see? So I first saw it when I was 15 years old. So that's, that that definitely kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. A little so bit younger. I yeah. saw I saw it when I was in high school. I just remember thinking, "What the hell is this? <laughs> like? Is this is this where he came from? Like, Donnie Darker was an improvement. Yeah, I mean, that was. Not, I don't know how, how what a difference in month that was, but um, yeah, I just think it was really it, it was very you know this performance is very presentational and very like yeah. kind of like outside of himself, and that's great. Um, especially because his character was living in a bubble for all. <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah. But I don't know, like, 
I, I don't I don't see the kind of the the peaks and valleys, the subtleties. I don't yeah. I don't see. I was gonna say I think you guys are thinking, and by you guys I mean Daily and Bart are putting way more thought into like the characterization than I think the writers did. <laughs> well, no, but I think he, I think Gyllenhaal brings that. You know, I think that's why it works because it does in like it doesn't feel. I mean, obviously it's silly, but he he's got such a earnest, you know, straightforward glee to everything he does that I it feels like uh th- that that feels like a very strong choice from him it's you know in a, in a weird way it reminds me of um Danny Boyle's stage version of Frankenstein and uh how Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller keyed into Frankenstein in different ways and Johnny Lee Miller saw him as a child so for, Frankenstein is a for child for the record right now Jamie is head in hands <laughs> she's ashamed of her husband <laughs> and of her choices <laughs> she's turning red and redder I totally like as soon as he said it I knew where he was going because but so okay obviously we did not see those plays live because they were in London but we saw both of the filmed versions that they released theaters and beforehand there's this documentary about how they made their choices so I knew exactly what you were going to say about Johnny Lee Miller and his very specific choice to make the monster childlike yeah. versus Cumberbatch's specific choice to make the monster you know like an amputee, an amputee victim yeah um but, but you boy. just compared Bubble Boy <laughs> to two amazing artistic nuanced thoughtful high-level national drama performances. Yeah, that's how good this movie no, is. that's how crazy you are. <laughs> that's how weird you are about this movie. For the record, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the other thing that really works is, you know, at the, at that, the end scene there, the, the big showdown in the wedding, where you get that, Great little graduate reference, like off in the margins, which is like if you if you know sure. it, you get it. it and otherwise, it's fine. Yep. I was too busy feeling really sorry for Swoozy Kurtz and very oh, come confused. On. Swoozy Kurtz has very best confused as to what life choices brought her there. Swoozy Kurtz has some oh of the God, funniest stuff the in the whole worst. movie. Are you kidding? No, me? she's amazing. There's nothing good about that character or that part. There's well, no, the character's awful, but she part. but she's really funny she's though. I could see what this movie, like, would, like, why, if you were someone like Gyllenhaal, who was really trying to, like, make your mark, why you would want to do this character that's, yeah. like, so off the wall. I have no idea why Susie Kurtz is in that movie. I really, really don't. It makes me sad. Oh, I think it's like, so much fun. I think it's so, limited so much Kurtz. fun. I think she's very well Had cast. you not invested your money? <laughs> what is happening? No, I think that looked like so much fun to play. Are you kidding? No. Oh, God. Yeah. I think she was good. I just think that I... Could have seen someone else just as easily in that role. Sure. Like, I, I, who? Who? Anyone. Like, like the person I confused her with originally, Heather Locklear. <laughs> you <laughs> could no, no, no. This is the mom. This is the mom. Oh, the mom. Oh, yeah. Who the fuck am I? Yes, that character means nothing. Marley Shelton's character means nothing. No, she's just She's just there to be eye candy. She's yeah. She's a bit of. And I still, I'm, I'm still going by what I said when the movie first started, which was that. You cannot give me a montage between two characters hanging out together and then expect me to be so completely on board with their relationship that I'm completely invested with the crazy cross-country wedding interrupting plot of this movie 
when literally it's the first like 15 minutes of the film. 15 minutes. I'm like, your montage does not get me on board. See, when I've had no actual like time and emotion see, or anything. For me, this movie, like this sort of st stupid movie, it's stupid, I know, is the only kind of movie where I will buy it after a montage. No. Ordinarily, no fucking way. But in this, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah. And so, like, but I feel like this is a problem that you it? have often, though, with movies. Yeah, no, I don't like you need, anything like, I really... fell in love with two seconds. No, I don't yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> I can't. I, and it's the basis of like almost every romantic type movie. But I don't like it. I don't like the whole. I fell in love with you in a second. Um, but like, I don't I mean, really have. To be fair, to be fair, at that point in the movie, I was not really paying attention. I was doing other things and not. I, you know, whatever. Um, but was it clear in the montage that they had hung out every day of high school? Yeah, pretty much. Because I feel like I just saw, like, a Christmas scene and a summery scene, and then, like, later... With the mom vacuuming And then later, her, she's like, awesome. <laughs> oh, he's my best friend. We hung out every day in high school. And I was like, wait, what? But so, also, it's like, I'm supposed to be... When she said, oh... I'm marrying my boyfriend, and we're going to Niagara Falls, and we're getting married. It was, okay, so there's literally a scene where, like, her boyfriend's all like, we should have sex, we've been dating for two years. And she's Bizarro like, no, I'm saving myself for marriage. And then two seconds later, she's going to Jimmy, like, oh, we're getting married at Niagara Falls on Saturday. He just asked me. It's so amazing. So, obviously, it's like, I asked her to marry me so we could have sex. Like, that's the juxtaposition of those two scenes. Sure. Yeah. She right. turns him down for sure. sex because she's saving herself for marriage. Yep. She, he proposes, and now they're getting married in like 48 hours in Niagara Falls. True. However, then, I will what? say, no, hold on a second. I will say, I don't think that that's supposed to be real time. I think, I don't think it's supposed to be like the next day he proposed, and then they're getting then married 48 hours Then that's editing. Later. That's not my fault. All I have to go by is what I saw on the screen. So this is how I'm interpreting it. No, that's fine. Because that's what happened in the movie. Why <laughs> was this a giant wedding in a church with like 200 guests? Like, I thought this was a quickie, let's just get like married. Vegas so we, like yes, the... Vegas is two feet away. You live yeah. in California. Well, Niagara's like the Vegas of the East. That's why I thought it well, was. Well, but that's what I thought too. But then they cut to the wedding and there's like actual guests there. Yeah. And she's wearing a giant cupcake dress with like a huge veil and everything. And I was like, wait, this is like a real wedding. They're 18 years old and he just wants to sleep with her. What is happening right now in this movie? I, I've always taken it the other way, which is not that we're literally seeing it in real time and it's been two days later and he's proposing because she turned him down, but that uh, he proposed, not that it's been like months and months, but that like he proposed and uh, she would, she, and she's not telling him until like she, she can't bear to tell him until she's like no, getting she ready to leave. Bear it. Yeah. She she's, has such depth. <laughs> this movie has so many layers. It totally so has So sophisticated. Layers. It's got totes layers. <laughs> I uh, hate you guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate all of you. Uh, but no, I mean, I didn't feel like it was... I, I never I never felt the implication was that like, oh, he just asked me yesterday and now I'm telling you and we're getting married like 48 hours later. But that like... She literally is like, he asked me to marry him. We're getting married in Niagara Falls. This Saturday. Can I just Do make... you think she waited 18 months to tell Jimmy that they were getting married? Oh, like... It could be a couple can, of weeks. Can, 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 I, can I just make everyone's point yes. by saying it doesn't 
fucking matter. <laughs> it makes no difference. This is an establishment point. This is not even part of the plot. It's true. We may be overthinking this point a little maybe bit. Maybe they don't care if you're invested in them. Jamie, but what I is the purpose like, of this movie? I feel no, but I'm saying even if I feel like they just want you to laugh and giggle and whatever, the whole movie is built upon that wanting premise, yeah. him yeah. to yeah. get to sure. the wedding and stop the wedding right. and be with her. Yes, that's it. Sets the entire plot in motion and. I can't... You can't accept it? No, no, no. From knowing so many people who write, I can't imagine that the writers who wrote this movie didn't care about that at all. Like, I can't imagine that they just, like, needed some sort of instigating thing to build their funny stuff upon. Because, you know what? If they did, I like this movie even less than I liked it ten minutes ago. Because that's depressing. And that's soulless. And that's nothing. It's like, we need something to hang our gags upon. It's Bubble Boy. To me, it feels less like we needed something to hang our gags upon and more like a cut to the chase bit. That's how I always We just need to get to the road trip like streamline now as quickly as possible. I bet like, they have more. Down. I bet they have more. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like if there were cut scenes that all took place more at the beginning of the movie, and it was more like, can we we need to get the road trip faster? You know. They apparently think that road trip was better than I think that road but trip was. <laughs> what do you think? I'm just taking it all. Away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Joan Hall's fantastic in that in that last scene, like. When he strips off the bubble, which might be my favorite, like underplayed <laughs> gag in the whole movie, oh that he literally God. fell out of a plane and went over Niagara, Niagara Falls, and, and he, he bounced, in, he got bounced into a train, he got Division. hit by a bus. Yeah, like, and think then he about just, all the things you just listed, and then the fact that you introduced that with the descriptor underplayed. Yeah, no, no, that, you know, all of these things happen, and then at the very end, that he just. Effortlessly just peels back the bubble like yeah no big deal. No, I know, but there's no, but there's no like. My point is that there's no uh, nobody stops. It was like there's no like double take or was like really you could just open it the whole time. Like he just does it and there's no mention of it at all. It just happened. He knew the sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Got that one point of yeah the bubble G spot. I guess. Okay. Okay. That's a place this podcast never needs to go again. But but he's he I think he really sells that last scene so that even if you didn't necessarily buy into the premise you know, 90 minutes beforehand, like, he, he really makes that, that scene work, I think. I think if there's one part of that scene that he sells really well, it's when he has the moment where he is thinking about what to do about his mom once the big reveal that he's yeah. been okay oh, all Yeah, the whole thing, yeah. And I think that is an emotional moment, and I think that he played that very well. Yeah. And I think even you would agree, Jamie. No, I mean, and I did wonder what he was going to say, and when he finally decided to go with, I love you, mom, I was, like, of two minds about it. Because on the one hand, I was like, I guess that's the sweet way to go. But on the other hand, like... What it's, the fuck? <laughs> no, it, it's just... She doesn't deserve that. You know? No, she doesn't like, deserve if that. You You're think right. about, You're if you think about... And that's why it's as poignant. If this were a real thing... Oh, be it, furious. <laughs> as if this were a mother who actually did this to her child, she doesn't deserve that. And so on that point, it just sort of, like, kind of pleased... It, rather than being like, oh, he's such a good person... To me, it kind of like played on his basic naivete because it was just like, yeah. no, dude, no. No, I, I mean, look. She screwed you and Maybe that was the point, though. Even though he shed the bubble and he saw the experienced all these things, he still had that basic yeah. goodness there. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think, I I think, think that's a exactly nice right. Moment. Yeah. 
She meant well. Yeah, she you know yeah, yeah she meant well. Did it she? went hor- it went horribly wrong. She was trying to protect me. It went horribly awry. But you know, in the end, I'm here. I'm okay. I went on this cool adventure, and I you know I've still got the the lady I love. So how uh, did the mom get from like? The biker chicks gal. Right? <laughs> there's there's another movie like, in there somewhere. There's a whole other short story in there somewhere, yeah. Yeah, especially because, like, the way the it's biker all. guy tells it, it's almost like she was like, oh, maybe I just want a more normal life. So she married this, like, super buttoned-up guy. And became but, super Christian. Right, mm-hmm. but uh, no, but I was going to say, her husband is clearly so beaten down by her, it would seem like... Was Massive he really that like perfect guy? It seems like she made him that perfect. Oh, guy. Oh no, I I've always taken it as like that he was just not that some he was guy. A, yeah that he was just a guy she he could bowl over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was just a nice guy that she could bowl over with. But we're gonna be super Christian and we're never gonna leave the house and all this stuff. You know, like <laughs> doesn't that in a way make him even worse than her? Like in terms of if you're looking at how they've treated Hall and how they like raised him. And- yeah, no, there, that's there is something about that that's never. By, yeah, there's something happened. about that that never sat right with me, and I was thinking about that especially in the early scenes where or that last like, when scene. They, well, no, when they when they <laughs> the last scene is horrifying on many <laughs> levels. Uh, I don't want to think about what happens when Danny Trejo and Susie Kurtz, Kurtz and that guy from Fargo, yeah, <laughs> all get on a motorcycle and ride off into the sunset. I don't want to know what's going on over the horizon. What kind of hotel they're stopping? Yeah, it's a but uh, hotel. whatever. They all seem far happier than they did at the start of the. Movie. Movies that's true but that's like that's what i was thinking of at the beginning of the movie is you know that, like when they bring when they do bring him home and he's like running around and like open the door and like get him in and he's treating him as if he you know as if the kid really is sick even though he knows that the kid is not it's like he's play play acting for Susie Kurtz. But and something about that, you're right, like doesn't it doesn't sit right with But me. at the same time, every single moment where something real happens to him, which yeah. happens to Jimmy, yeah. it's because of the dad. That's true. There's the the he when he lets the girl in, he yep. lets him out of the car. Yep. And he, when the yeah. not only that, there's actually that, that moment early even early on when he's on the scooter. That may be. You know, when, when he's on the scooter and the parents drive up next to him. Um, and he, he pulls a car away, like, he, he pulls the wheel around, rather than, like, immediately, you know, stopping or cutting, like, he literally pulls the car in the other direction, yep. and it's Susie Kurtz has to try and pull it back, uh, and there's no, like, it gets sort of played off in the moment as, like, the pushover, incompetent guy who can't do anything right, but, like... He's the deep dark. But, yeah, no, once you get that reveal at the end, you're like, oh, he was trying to help out his, his kid the whole time, it's, it's, it's kind of sweet. But you don't, yeah, it doesn't really work until you see all the way to the end. He's also that guy from Fargo. He is also that guy <laughs> And he from has Fargo. no lines, no lines until that until, one until scene. Until the end, yeah, until that one scene, which is, which is a great scene. That's right. a great scene. And I love, actually, I love that bit that he, like, that he has no lines before that, and then when he does finally speak, he has to stop and clear his throat, yeah. <laughs> which I think is so great. Clearing the top of that. <laughs> yeah. You think it's that time? I think it's probably that time. Uh, we need to explain this to Fernando, I think. So, Fernando, our running gag, uh, not running gag, but our, our bit, our, our running segment is, uh, we call it the heart of the Ghostbusters. Who is the heart of the Ghostbusters in this movie? Uh, and what that means, how we have defined heart of the Ghostbusters, is uh, who is the character that you want to go hang out with, you want to go get a drink with? Who's the guy, who's the guy you want to just 
hang with for a little while. Yeah, it's not the emotional center of the movie. It's not the I don't even know other any anything legitimate that you're thinking of is not that. No. It's who's the guy that's just sort of like Who's your buddy? That guy's really interesting. I want to hang out with that guy for a little while. I want to hear what he has to say mm-hmm. or she has to say. Mm-hmm. And it's hard in this one because there are yeah, so there are so many, many interesting characters, characters in this one. one. You only have one? Yep. All right, Jamie. It? Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo is no a question. solid, no question. solid look, answer. Not only does he have his like whole history with the whole wildfire thing, whatever, but he is this like crazy biker dude who meets Jimmy and then just like puts all of his other stuff aside to help Jimmy achieve his goals for like no reason. Yeah. Like yep. even totally unmotivated. Even like, <laughs> Sorry, who is that? <laughs> that guy. Only does it because he feels like a religious obligation to help him. Like mm-hmm. Danny Trejo does it for no reason whatsoever, and then just that like he meets Jimmy, he likes him, he wants to help him, and even to the point when Jimmy ditches him in Vegas, he goes out of his way to like find him to try to make sure he's okay and that he's going where he needs to go. Like even the little circus freaks, like they felt indebted to him. Yeah. So Danny Trejo is the only one who's like. You know what? Like, I just want to make sure my little buddy's okay, and I'm gonna go after him, and I'm gonna help him no matter what. And that was really cool. And plus, he was just fun. So. That's a fair point. Like I'm Danny Trejo, I want to hang out with that guy and have that guy be in my corner. Danny Trejo should pretty much always be the answer. If you're watching a movie with Danny Trejo, he's probably the heart of the ghost. What if you had a movie, movie with Danny Trejo and Sammy J in it? Whoa, that's <laughs> rough. That's a problem. That's a coin toss. We got fucking problems now. We're fucking problems, kid. Uh, Nando. The- you have, you have the kid who was yelling curry. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. Good what's, it, what's it like to be the only other like ethnic person <laughs> in, in like a white trash town? Yeah. Wearing wearing the kind of getup that he's like. I, I'm just I'm curious as to like his life and his his experience. Yeah, how did he get there? Yeah. Like like is it, why is he related is to Push Pop? Yeah. <laughs> did Push Pop leave him at the side of the yeah, road? Is Push Pop like drifting through town? Two, yeah. Are they are they are they friends? Do they know each other? Like, just, what's the deal? Even just for like a per- they like don't a- all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> For a daily screening, only a little bit racist. That should be our new tagline. But, but, but I bet in like that movie, they Comically probably do racist. know each other, and they're probably like the only two people who aren't white in the entire town. That's true. Munities! He's got munities! What are they? It's just, I, I just, like, from a purely sociological perspective, I'm curious about the kid. I'm like, I want to know... Who's his fucking father? Who are father? you? How did you get here? Like, who, who plopped you in the middle of bump, I thought, bump, Oklahoma? I thought we just decided Push Pop was his father as he, like, breezed. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, or maybe, maybe, you just implied? Maybe his uncle, I don't know. At least some sort of close relative. Bartholomew? Uh, it's hard. It's very difficult. It's for me. tricky. I've got a. I've got one. I've got three. I've, I mean, three. I've got three, maybe two. You can go on like a big date. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, and a couple others. So here's where I'm. I'm. I'm gonna give my two or three right now, and then we're gonna go on to daily, and then come back to we're me, and, refine, I'll, and I'll and I'll pick one. Choice. I'll pick one. Okay. So here's who I'm weighing right now. Zach. Galifianakis. Oh, yeah. Galifianakis. Galifianakis. Oh, yeah. The lone, the lone bus station operator. He's just he wouldn't leave the station for your totally day. totally awesome and hilarious. Yeah. One of the very early movie roles for him. Yes. Actually. He's, he's really, he's pretty certainly the first movie. time I ever saw him. Yeah. Um, there's him. I, I mean, yes, Danny Trejo. <laughs> and the dad. The dad. That's a good call. I thought about the dad, I actually. Very fun 
but at least not. No, the I first think you just need to get him drinking. I think you just need to get him drinking. That's drinkin'. why. That's exactly why. <laughs> because you got to figure at the end of the He's, movie, he did get on the bike with the other two. So there's got to no be some way. kind of demon there, in there. There's a crazy vibe in there. It's just aching to get out. Yeah. All right, Daly. You just got to coax him. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Pippi and Pappy. The two old guys. Oh, the old guys. You have to pick one. No, they're, no, they're, 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 they're a pack of yeah, Okay, to have, well, by my rationale, are you... Pro what about... I'm picking... You know who... You know, who, you you know what it is? Oh, it's Punani now. No, 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 no. I am going to come down on the father. You're going to come down on the dad? Yep. I think the dad's a very good call. I love I love the dad. And I think it's like, the reason why I'm hesitant is because I have always felt that the father is the emotional center of this movie. Yeah. And I mean, all these years. But that's a little too legit for the heart of the Ghostbusters. <laughs> that's my hesitation. But barring that... No, I mean, yeah. he is largely silent. So, I mean, I think that that's, uh, kind of plays out I well. just like him. But yeah, no, I think, he, I think he's great. But no, I'm going go, to go with the old guys. I feel, like, happy. I feel like they got stories to tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they clearly have stories to tell. They wanna, <laughs> mostly about Poon <laughs> and well, Poonani. Well, and they've got a plane. And, um, and, a, and a weird... Land Rover Defender. Yep, and they're also seemingly immortal. <laughs> they also seemingly <laughs> can die and come back to life yes. at will. They they do die repeatedly, which is with that's pretty magnificent. I, I I'm I, I want to hang out with that guy. I that, mean, come yeah. on, those guys. It's that guy. Yeah, it's one guy twice. Mm-hmm. It's true. It is. They <laughs> could like take turns. They could take out. Yeah, exactly. Right. One takes a nap, and then the other one comes in Sister, for another shot. They could need Sister it. to Poontang. So what, what happened? They were revived at the end of the movie? Uh, I, I was under the impression that they were dead. So was I, but then they... Like a, well, they, yeah, there's the, the weird, like, you know, <laughs> right as he leaves each of them, it's like They're they dead. appear to be dead, but then they each pull off a miraculous... The car swerves to avoid the billboard. The plane suddenly pulls up. So it feels like, even though they're like clearly visibly look as if they're dead, like they do actually manage to pull out some bizarre maneuver that would seem to imply someone was alive back there. So, you know, who 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 knows? Uh, mysteries mysteries of Bubble Boy. Indeed. Um, well, I I mean I think I think that's probably. I think that probably runs the gamut on Bubble Boy. I think we just made a podcast about half the length of Bubble Boy, about Bubble Boy. That's true. Which Amen? Pretty impressive. Amen, Amen indeed. Amen. Um, so uh, let's, let's let's chat about some uh, some happenings over the past week. Uh, yeah, I've got, hit I've got a nice little list here. Uh, there's one that I know Bart wants to talk about, uh, and that's Battlestar Galactica. Fuck! Making the jump... To the big screen. <sighs> um, so yeah, they're the you know they're trying to revive Battlestar as a as a as a film. Um, it wouldn't be a continuation of the sci-fi series. Which well, that wouldn't make any sense. I know. I'm a big fan of Jamie as Bart. Fernando, have you seen no. Battlestar? Oh, never. oh, really? Yeah. Never. Stuff. In I fact, ruin it. Don't do it. I yeah, no, Coincidentally, uh, so I always uh, I when I get dressed and get ready for work in the morning. Oh, TV, I really want to know where this is going. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. I pull my pants on three legs at a time, just like everybody else. Uh, no, there's a we have a TV in the bedroom, and I. Keep I watch like TV shows that we have on on DVD and on Blu-ray while I get ready in the morning, um, in you know like twenty minute chunks. Um, so I was looking for something new to put in, and I put in Battlestar. So I just happened to start rewatching it this morning, which I haven't rewatched it the whole way through since we finished it. Oh, we kind of started at one point and then stopped watching it after a couple. I've episodes, watched it like five times. Yeah, I, I, I love I'm that. Looking series. forward to my second complete journey through Battlestar. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I feel like... Love it. it look, it's a great show. I mean, and I don't feel like it's necessarily sacred. I mean, the sci-fi series is very different from the original series. Yeah, I actually tried to watch the original series. Yeah, I've tried that a couple times. I did not get far with it. No, but the robot dog is amazing, though, right? I didn't even get to the robot dog. Oh, there's dog. a robot dog. He's did I incredible. Miss it? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in, like, the pilot. He, oh, the robot I, dog's amazing. I probably overlooked that. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's fucking phenomenal. Um... But, uh, but no, I mean, I feel like very good. It's yeah. very good. But I feel, I mean, I feel like there's, I feel like is, you know, you can take that premise. There's a lot of different ways you could go with it. I feel like we're not going to get as much God and Jesus stuff this time. I think you're well. I think you're probably right. But I'll be curious to see if we still get. I mean, it's hard because there's a lot of sort of Greek mythology kind of sewn well, into the weird, fabric of the show. One yeah, of the characters yeah. is named Apollo, for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know? no, it's, it's, it's a very weird... They went a lot of weird directions with that show, and they use it as a foil for discussing a lot of very serious topics. Oh, sure. Sure. I didn't have a problem with the religion in the show. I actually quite liked it. I yeah. thought it... We don't it, see a lot of those shows Well, no, but I was really going to say, I thought it added way. a really interesting level to the show. Oh, I can't say... Really yeah, no, I know. We can't talk about it. It's like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm probably not going to watch it. So you guys, can... you should watch it. I should. You should. Sure <laughs> no, suffice it, suffice it to say, while a lot of people had certain problems with the finale, those problems didn't bother me so much as I felt like the commentary on the religious aspect of the show that was contained in the finale bothered me. Okay, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I cannot yeah. explain it further. <laughs> no, <laughs> ruining it for anyone who hasn't no, that's seen fair. the show. But I feel like if you're gonna make a, big... I like how we will we're happy to spoil certain things. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel like if you're gonna make a big movie of the sh- of the show, I mean, I feel like that's probably the first thing that goes right is is the religious stuff. I mean, because I feel like it's easier to do that over the span of a series where you have lots of hours to kind of explore that in different ways. I feel like it's not. I mean, like obviously, Battlestar Galactica can be whatever the writers decide yeah. it should be. But if you're trying to actually connect it to this show at all, are they? Have it have nothing to do with religion, then it's a totally different thing. Like, yeah, no, it's going to be a totally like, new reincarnation. It's not going to have any connection I don't with the series. I, like I said, like I, I like what the show did with religion. I don't like what the finale did with it, and I really don't like what Caprica did with it. Yeah. Caprica, I tried to watch also, and also yeah, I bailed on it pretty early too. But I a just, lot of I that was because of the way it handled the religious aspect. Like it was just very. I felt like the show had a very nuanced, like oh, there are a lot of different beliefs, kind of thing, until the finale, and then Caprica was just very like yeah. whoa. I just and couldn't get was, into it. It was just too like strict and too. Yeah. It was boring. Like, super. I can't even think of the right word. Like super. Like dogmatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was just it, there was like no room for nuance the way that I felt like the actual show did. The, that I don't know. It was I can't say it without like being super spoilery. But it just drove me crazy. I yeah. don't know. So, it felt like at the end there was a right answer to yes, the show. Yes, exactly, exactly. Whereas the show up until then had sort of... Been open. Yeah, it, 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 had sort of, it played in the gray areas where sort of felt yeah. like, yeah, maybe this is true, maybe that's yeah. true, and how you interpreted actions mm-hmm. was sort of how you got found a way into the show. Whereas, yeah, it felt at the end where it was like, well, this is the way it was yeah. the whole time, which is ironic because it feels like, in a way, that's almost the opposite of what happened with Lost. Whereas, like, people were really looking for, like, a very, co- like, very this concrete answer. Didn't watch Lost, didn't Lost. watch Lost, didn't watch Lost. Oh, it's really good. Don't do it. I, I mean, people, I like have, people. The first two. Yeah. 
people people complain about the end, but I mean, I, I kind of don't care. Their whatever, bits in the middle are so I'd rather whatever they do with BSG go drop the religion than yeah. go down the same road. Well, we're you know going down. It'll be curious. So the, they've hired a, a writer, uh, this guy Jack Paglin, um, who he's got a couple of credits. Mostly, sort of the biggest thing right now is uh, he wrote uh, Transcendence with Johnny Depp that's coming out next weekend. Um, which, which we is, don't know yet. Yeah, we, you know, we'll see how that movie goes. I mean, certainly it feels like there's an opportunity. I mean, that certainly feels like a movie that's playing can with we, when bigger we see picture that, stuff. Can we actually watch Lawnmower Man first? Oh, I would love that. I, I haven't watched that in a, in a few minutes. I will. That's the only noise I can make. It's been it's been a while since I watched Lawnmower I mean, I love Lawnmower Man. I mean, I love all movies with, like, early 90s Terrible CG. Things. Well, not even the CG, just like like things that are based around computers from like the early '90s, when, <laughs> like Hackers. Hackers is one of my Hackers favorites, is man. amazing. Cinematic um, representations of uh, the computer false world computer things is yeah no just marvelous. Did, I revel on that did, shit. Did you watch any of the other Battlestar uh, spinoffs? Did you watch the Blood and Chrome thingies? Did I you did watch, watch the Blood and Chrome thingies. That felt actually a lot. Did you watch truer. the? Was it good? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty good. It was. I mean, it was done on a pretty small budget. I mean, it was done as a web series. So huh. it was like a lot of green screening and whatnot, but it didn't feel egregious. Mm. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it felt, I'll say this, it felt far more connected to the Battlestar that we watched than Caprica did. Because okay. Caprica, it's like, it's almost <coughs> the difference between, like, uh, like Next Gen and, like, DS9 in that, like, okay. the sort of premise of DS9 is like, well, we're stuck in this one place and we wait for people to show up and... We're sort of ninety percent of the stories are going to involve like these two races of people that have never been important on the show before now, and like we're sort of off in this corner, and we're sort of mostly stuck in this corner for the majority of the show, and that was sort of Caprica. It's like, well, we're on this one planet, and we're doing this VR place, and there are things, and it's sort of vaguely connected, but who cares? Whereas Blood and Chrome was very was you know young Adama, and they were fighting Cylons, and they were you know riding around in vipers and i mean it felt very much like you know a piece of the same show okay did you watch the plan i did watch the plan, we, own the plan. we do uh I, we watched i mean I, I watched it the one time i haven't i remember feeling like where was the plan that that, that was uh, for when it's called the plan i expect that when it's over i'm gonna know what the plan is what the and plan i felt was? like I didn't really, I didn't really know what the plan was by the time I finished watching. Um, but I, I feel like I remember, and I look. I mean, I'm going to go through them all again soon. But I, I remember, I feel like I remember liking Razor a lot more. Um, I liked Razor. More Razor was good, but I mean, Razor's got ends in a row, and how can you not love it? You know. Well, yeah. So. And that girl from Terminator. And that girl from Terminator. That's true as well. We talked about Star Wars a couple weeks back oh, and our God. general trepidation about Star Wars. Uh, they start filming. Well, technically, they're filming now. Are they going to actually got, film anything? Well, so they're, they've got. Uh, How much of this movie is going to be on film? Technically, they are, they are shooting now. Um, it, I think it's all second unit stuff. Um, they still haven't. You know, the most amazing thing about Star Wars right now is the complete and utter lack of information. You know, Disney has given, like, no... They won't even say, like, who's in the cast. They won't even confirm the stuff that we all is sort of assume is true. Like, you know, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher have given, like, a million interviews where they say, yeah, no, we're excited to do come back to Star Wars and we're going to be involved and it's going to be really fun and blah, 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 blah. And Disney still will not 
just say that they're in this movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, the same with Harrison Ford and all this stuff. But they, uh, they, I think they start filming officially, like, you know, first unit stuff in, like, a couple of weeks in, like, beginning mid-May. Um, and they have said they're going to be filming in Morocco. Um, so that feels like they're going back to Tatooine. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it's probably not, there's a scene on Tatooine that, you know, if they're, that's the only thing they've said, it makes it feel like, well, they must be spending some time there. Right. Um, so it feels like we're we're probably going to get a lot, a lot of Tatooine again. Um, that's. That's that's fine. Did you know that the the original sets, the original Tatooine sets, are still there? Um, they're not in Morocco. They're in Tunisia. Um, but like, okay, like uh, Luke's home, like uh, Owen and Lars, like the the Baru moisture farm. Tell me something. Like, they lived built in that it. little igloo, and there are moisture evaporators, and like, no, they've just been hanging out for since the seventies, and they're they've like they're all decrepit and they're like you know crumbling apart and whatnot they're just like hanging out in the desert yeah i didn't i did not realize that so i I saw a couple people online sort of speculating that hey maybe they're going to go back there and like wouldn't it be cool if they went back there and filmed in these in the same locations that have now kind of fallen to pieces to sort of you know indicate that passage of time and that the world is different again um yeah i don't i don't I, I, mean, don't think, I don't know if sure. we're going to see that, but cool. that'd, be, that'd be cool. I'd be okay with that. I'd probably scrub it and replace it with CG anyway. Yeah, probably, right? Um, but they have said, there's. The, I think the only two people that they have confirmed as definitely coming back to be in this movie, one, R2-D2. Well, yeah. Go go figure. Sure. Um, and two, uh, Peter Mayhew is going to come back as Chewbacca. Yep. The, the, guy, the guy in the suit is going to be back playing Chewbacca. Oh. I am very excited. Uh, I mean, I, I like I like the idea that Chewbacca's still around. Who knows what the lifespan of a Wookiee is? Uh, I, I, I certainly don't. Right. Apparently. Um, I, 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 I think uh, I read somewhere that in the extended universe novels and stuff, which I read a lot of when I was younger, uh, like in the before the prequel days, when I was in like uh, middle school and, and high school, um, when it felt like we're never going to see Star Wars happen on the movie theater again. Uh, I read a lot of those extended universe books, but I also tapped out a long time ago. And sometime after that, I guess the books, they actually killed off Chewbacca at one point, which well, was, I think, they, a big but, deal. But they scrubbed all that stuff anyway. Well, yeah, it's not going to be in the movies. Like, they're not adapting that stuff for the movies, which is, you know, I think no, that's no, smart. No, I no, mean, I mean, I mean, they, they killed it. They, they, didn't they just declare unilaterally that all the extended universe stuff is gone? Well, that was the thing. It all... It, it was all of, all the extended universe novels were all officially licensed by Lucasfilm, right? So they were all considered canon, and now they're not. And now, yeah, now they're just going to be this sort of weird side oddity because now there are going to be new movies and these characters and these actors are still alive, so they're going to be in these movies. So such a bad idea. But I mean, I think it's you know, I love the Chewbacca run. I mean, and I and I love the idea of bringing Peter Mayhew back. I mean, obviously. You know, he's still around and he's still willing to be, you know, be a part. You should get him on board for sure. Sure. Um, but I mean, I if mean, you're going to do it. But for okay. all like Chewbacca, it also feels like in a way... Pointless? Well, I mean, not pointless, but, pointless. you know, the the idea of it is nice. But if there was another guy in the suit, like... Would you notice? Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah, you know? Pointless. Mm, I, I mean, I'm gl- I, cool. All right. Yeah. But, I mean, meh. Uh, Bart, are you a... Uh, are you a... Uh, what are, what are your what are your thoughts on the Spider Man? 
I mean, All like, right. as a character, not these Spider- movies. Spider-Man in general? Yeah, Spider-Man like in him. general. I like him okay. Okay. I mean, I'm sort of ambivalent. Yeah. I feel similarly about Spider-Man as I do mm, The Flash. Hmm. I'm like, all right. <laughs> that's it. That, that's all. Yeah, all right. All right. Just thing. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man. Uh, uh, I know, Jamie, I know you're kind of a Spider-Man fan. You like the... You you want to like these movies that are coming out. There are things about them that you like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Fernando, do you have a do you have strong feelings about Spider Man one way or the other? No, I think you know it's it's an enjoyable movie. Yeah. The, well, so uh, you know we we've talked about this in the past that you know the Marvel characters are kind of split up. They own the rights to some of their characters, but some of them belong to other studios. And uh, Spider Man is the only one. So Fox has a couple. Um, but Spider-Man belongs to Sony in Columbia, and that's really their only character. And so they have a piece of James Bond, and they, they did the Da Vinci Code movies, and I think they're still trying to get another one of those off the ground. Um, but Spider-Man's really their big active franchise at the moment. And so they, much like DC and Fox, have sort of looked at the Marvel, you know, blueprint and said, hey, you know, shared universe. Everybody likes the shared universe. Let's we we should do that. Who do we have? We have Spider Man. Let's can we do a Spider Man universe? Can we build out the Spider Man universe? And uh, so that's their their plan is they want to do all of these sort of Spider Man spin off movies. The problem is there are no other Spider Man characters. Like he doesn't have a sidekick. There aren't like he doesn't really have a lot of allies. I mean, you could do Black Cat, I suppose, but uh, mostly yeah. But that's just going to become. Catwoman. With yeah, her. yeah. I don't. I don't know. We all know how that one went. Most mo- most of Spider-Man's characters, at least anything that they have the rights to, are the villains. Yep. And so their plan is, well, we're just going to do all villain movies. We'll do a Venom movie, which could work. Venom could be like an anti-hero. I would, I would watch that. Yeah, Venom could be like just a fun anti-hero. Um, Carnage. But what they Carnage could be interesting. Uh, what they've what they're really keying in on though is uh, the Sinister Six. Which is his sort of, oh, you know, yeah. big team up of 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 villains that you know the who are they? So it's well, there's been different incarnations, but Kingpin and I don't know if he's ever been in the Sinister Six. I mean, maybe he was. The I don't shocker know. guy, Electro. No, the yellow guy. Yeah, he's got like big Meshy. thing on his face. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so. They, it, the thing is, they've already started to lay the groundwork in these new movies. Um, so we had the lizard last time, yeah, um, and we we're getting Electro and the Rhino and Green Goblin all in the next pa- movie. I, I feel like they're going to dispatch Paul Giamatti quickly in this. He's literally the first scene of. The I movie. think he's the throwaway villain. He is. Who is he? he? Uh, Paul Giamatti's playing the Rhino, um, and it's the, not. He's not a. <laughs> Sadly, he is not a guy in a big rubber rhino suit. No, uh, he has like a big mechanical rig that he's in with kind of a rhino helmet kind of thing. So yeah, my understanding is that he's basically the villain that Spider-Man fights in the first like ten minutes of the movie, and then defeats like yeah, defeats easily. and sends off to prison or something. Um, but they're basically just sort of establishing him as someone they can bring back later. Um, but even in the trailer, we've already seen there's like a shot of the weird random guy in a hat from the post shitty post credit sequence at the end of the first one and he's walking Which I through I still a, haven't seen right and not gonna and he's walking through a hallway and you see uh, Dr. Octopus limbs and you see uh, a vulture suit um, so they they've clearly already laid the groundwork for more villains 
uh, even, you know, along with the three that we're going to get. And so they want to do this Sinister Six movie, um, and they've hired uh, Drew Goddard to write it. Drew Goddard, who uh, directed Cabin in the Woods. Um, he's Have you one seen of Cabin in the Woods? Joss Whedon's guys. I mean, I love, I love Drew Goddard. He's also doing Marvel's uh, Daredevil series for Netflix, hmm. and he's like a Daredevil fanatic. Daredevil's like he is. Which, by the guy. way, is a weird thing to be a fanatic about. Like Daredevil? Daredevil? Yeah. I mean, I kind of like the, the street level Daredevil Marvel hero, a, you Daredevil know? Daredevil is a weird character. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's 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 low tech. He's he's not really super. I mean, well, he does. I mean, he has supernatural abilities, but he's. I'm making a face. They're, right they're, <laughs> they're, they're low on the power scale, I will say. I mean, he has. He has really good balance, basically. <laughs> good interior structure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, what's his superpower? I can't see. Yeah, I don't... Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not a good superpower. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be insensitive. He can but feel as much as two men. <laughs> okay. Well, we all know where this is going. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the idea of a... Does I mean I don't I just does the idea of a villain movie does it hold any appeal? I mean, does that could that work on any level? I don't I mean um, without, I like without any heroes. Just Well there's the thing, yeah, does, does Spider I mean, can you make that a movie without Spider Man being in it? And if you make put Spider Man in it, like, doesn't he have to be the hero? Like can you make a movie where the villains where the Spider- villains are the main no. characters? They, Absolutely. They can't use Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. If you can't. put Spider Man in it, if it's Spider Man's auxiliary role, they could totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Have I mean, to, look at look at Breaking Bad. Right, the main character is a villain himself. Yeah, I have to. I still haven't started Breaking Bad. I'm such an asshole. I got to finish. Yeah, I haven't start started either. Um, but well, but I, my understanding you is that at least he's a good guy who's doing bad things. He's sort of morally yeah. ambiguous. He's sort of in the gray area. And over the course, he kind of veers more towards the. Yeah, the he gets street. darker and darker. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, like, if at See, the very but, least. Three or four of these guys are already going to be established as bad guys. Um, and, and well, I will say the lizard in the first movie sort of was—he was a good guy who see, but got twisted how, by his own see, invention. Is, but. How do you sell that? Because the whole point—I mean, take the lizard, okay? Yeah. Or or uh, what's his name? Sauron, the Marvel Sauron, yeah, the pterodactyl guy, <laughs> yeah. There are the, the, the purpose of these villains is to have a redemption arc sure. of some sort. Yep. And when you have, I mean, take somebody like Venom or mm-hmm. Carnage, they exist only to antagonize Spider-Man. Right. That's the whole purpose of their existence. Right. And without Spider-Man around, they serve no purpose. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it, and it also feels like, yeah, not only is it like, okay, without Spider-Man, but... Kingpin you could make a movie about. Well, Kingpin but, you could. Well, and that's the thing. Who do you, who, who where, where do you build the drama, you know? If they're not, if they're not facing off against Spider-Man, who is our established good guy, which inherently makes them bad, bad guys, guys, and why should we care about anything that they want to accomplish? Like, is it that the six bad guys have to defeat a worse guy so that to get him out of the way so that they can take <laughs> yeah. down Spider-Man at a yeah, later it's a date? Very like, weird hole to write yourself. Yeah, into. like what? What is? Do how do we? How do we root for anything that they do? And isn't anyone who opposes them? automatically a good guy just, or perhaps you could do uh it just seems like a weird conflict choice. conflict amongst the sinister six you know so someone like the lizard or uh, maybe purpose. even dark octopus who's who's sort of sucked into this world and realizes halfway through the movie like wait a minute this is 
Yeah, I, we've but, gone too far and tries to stop them from within or something. But you then know? they're not the Sinister Six anymore. No, I agree. I mean, it certainly undermines them it's as like the Sinister Five. The sinister sinister Five and One kind of all right. No, but that's <laughs> like, but, and that's a that's a fair point. You know, like you could that could work in the context of that movie. But then you've now undermined them as Spider-Man villains. You know, later it's, on down the line, it's a weird choice, and I think it's stupid. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, it it just feels like another one of those. Everybody taking the wrong lesson from Marvel, saying, "Oh, they like connected things." Well, what other things can we draw? Dot, Mar- you know, draw between. Uh, I mean, the, the dots between. Is you know, Marvel is sort of uniquely positioned to pull this off. I mean, yeah. or I mean, yeah, or DC, maybe if they had their shit together. Yeah. Maybe. Got to talk about Colbert. Oh. You got yeah, I that's, mean that's fair. No, I, Jamie, I know we were talking about this earlier. Um, so Stephen Colbert will be uh, obviously sort of announced the other day. Stephen Colbert will be stepping in for David Letterman uh, on the Late Show on CBS. Uh, it, it's going to be some time, uh, twenty fifteen. There's no exact date set, but uh, Letterman's got. I think he's finishing out his contract, which goes sometime into twenty fifteen, and I think he basically gets to cherry pick when his last show is going to be. Um, so, so we, we've got a little, little time to prepare for this and there'll be, you know, plenty more Colbert report, but Jamie, you and I were talking about this earlier and sort of missed the idea of not having a Colbert report anymore is, is kind of sad, right? It is. I mean, I know we have a lot of time to adjust, but I can't decide if I'm really happy for, for Colbert because I think he's a really great interviewer and I think he has a good balance between like improv and like joking back and forth and like a nice give and take with his guests versus like his kind of like satire um so i can't tell if i'm really excited to see his interviewing skills be the main focus or if i'm really sad because i feel like he does such wonderful things on his show like we were talking about everything he did with the super packs Mm -hmm. and how amazing that was and how informative and yet satirical and just really put a spotlight on something that not a lot of people were talking about and did it in such a way that it was just so brilliant and so wonderful and now we were talking he's gonna be like so justin bieber <laughs> no i don't think he was this is, this is your fifth album he might, how do you he, think you've changed maybe since he'll hit him with a belt like, oh. well, you know and no. so like i can't decide if i'm really excited about what he might bring to the format and and how he might get to grow and stretch or how sad I am that he's not going to get to do Colbert anymore. And then I wondered, there are so many people who still, after all these years, think he really is that guy. Yeah. Like, there are yeah. so many, like, Because right he never drops that character, yeah. think he is that guy. And so it's like, what are they going to do when he <laughs> tunes in, when they tune in? And he's, and he's normal. Yeah, and he's being himself, you so know. So he's going to drop the role. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah he's oh, going to yeah. drop the he character. He said he's just going to be himself. He's not going to do the I character. I wonder if his, his, his interviewing, like, chemistry exists outside of oh, that character. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really It'll certainly curious. feel different, for sure, yeah. yeah. He's so good, but... It, like screwing with people and like joking around them but when he is being himself in certain instances he's really great like yeah. that whole week where you had all the Hobbit people on and he like so he's a giant Tolkien uh, fan like they when they brought him to the set in New Zealand he has him for a trivia contest with the consultants on the movie who were like the Tolkien experts and he like buried everyone and so when he had all like we had Martin Freeman he had Peter Jackson on and stuff and they were like going head to head like he was being himself then. He was not being, like, Stephen Colbert. Yeah. And he was still being engaging and hilarious and fun. But he was also being, like, middle school nerd boy, you yeah. know, which, like, mm. doesn't translate well 
to late night celebrity interviewing. Well, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, and we were talking about this earlier, you know, that it feels like now that Leno is gone and that Fallon has taken his place, you know, Fallon really kind of has his his niche, which is he's a goofy, yeah, he's a goofy, fun-loving guy. He can sort of pal around with the celebrities and... You know, he sings funny songs and he does funny bits and yeah, and, and he'll do something and it'll be on YouTube the next day and you'll all laugh and, you know, whatever. Maybe there's an opportunity here that Colbert could really serve as the, as the counterweight to Fallon, that he could actually kind of elevate the tone of that show and not in the same way that like he and Stewart do now where they're just like, I've got the author of this interesting book on because I want to talk about this, you know, this one issue but that, you know, that it, at the very least, he might actually bring something new to the table that isn't just, yeah, interviewing Selena Gomez for the 75th time, you know? <laughs> I mean, obviously, CBS is going to have a lot to say about what guests they book. Um, but, I mean, he's obviously going to sort of set the tone for what that show is. Um, and it's, you know, the idea that he could he could really kind of change the game there is is exciting. But then again, in the same way, Letterman did the same thing when he took over. I mean, he was considered a very bold yeah, left field choice. And no, but that's exactly my point. And that's what our kids are about. going to think that Colbert is super lame. You know? Like in twenty years, Colbert could still be doing this show and he could be viewed as like the late night network square guy who like I can't believe people thought he was edgy once upon a time, right? Like isn't that super weird to think about? Yeah, no, it's super depressing. I, I, didn't, I never found that Letterman was a special... I mean, I always... When I used to watch the, these shows, I always, I always preferred Letterman to Leno. Oh, yeah, obviously. Because he, he was, frankly, more of an asshole. I mean, Leno was just... He, he, he was a... He was a, a fu- yeah, he was a fuzzy blanket. And, you know, for me, the function of Leno is his is, is car persona, which is completely different. Yeah. But, um... As far as late night, it was always Letterman for me. And I, I thought, I mean, never, I didn't take him as edgy, but I certainly took him as more sophisticated. I mean, I, I know, I mean, you know, this all predates me as a person, basically. But I mean, I've, I've well, read... Well, I predate you by two weeks. Yeah, thank so... you. No, but I, I mean, like, I've, I've read uh, some stories and uh, about sort of when the two of them, it was that whole sort of battle royale between the two as to who was going to take over the... Tonight Show, and by all rights, Letterman should have been the guy, and uh, Leno kind of snaked it out from under him. But he used to do, he used to do all sorts of shit that was like, at the time, you're like, I can't believe this is happening on television right now. There were I, one of his sort of more famous bits was he would strap a camera onto, like, he had a helmet cam, he would strap it onto a monkey, and then just let the monkey run around the studio, and everyone was like, let's see what's going on with that monkey. And the monkey would be on the rafters somewhere, be under the seats or, like, fucking around somewhere. Like, oh, oh, oh there's the monkey. All right, what's next? Like, the, the classic game was, like, uh, will it will it float? I remember just, that. Yeah. I love that. Will it float? I so still say that. Nobody yeah, knows what I'm talking about. It's a about. fantastic game. Or they would just throw shit off the roof to see what would happen. Like, that stuff's amazing. I love all of that shit. Yeah. And then eventually it got boiled down to what, who can we get to read off this tonight's top ten list? You know, and it's kind of well, eventually it all gets reduced down to. They were still throwing bowling balls off the roof to see if they could hit a car with them. 
I mean, I'm, I still I'll watch that, that anytime. I mean, it's not not amusing. No. Well, I think there's there's probably one one last thing uh, we should chat about, and that's uh, the the X Men's. Okay, what's happened with the X Men since last week? Uh, well, uh, I, I don't know if you recall this, but a couple years back there was all this talk about doing, um, you know, after X Three came out and kind of sucked. sucked um, there was all this talk about doing. Well, we'll just we'll do a bunch of spinoff movies. We'll do we'll do all sorts of X Men spinoff movies. We'll do a Wolverine movie, which they and did. we'll do a, a Magneto movie, which they didn't and do and should have. We'll do all this stuff, and yeah, and the first Wolverine spinoff was not good. Fire was Escape, way worse than X Three, and uh, and then the whole the whole thing kind of stalled out. But uh, you know, First Class came out and was fantastic, and uh, the the Wolverine was pretty damn good. Um, and now we've got Days of Future Past coming and plans for Apocalypse already. Um, and there's been a, a regime change over at, over at Fox and the new, the new crowd over there seems uh, far more sort of ready and willing to, to build out this X-Men universe. And again, I mean, it feels in a lot of ways, it feels like kind of a cost-saving measure. It's, hey, we, we do an X-Men movie where we don't need 12 people like, 12 A-list actors that we need to pay a bunch of money to. Uh, can we do one with just one, maybe? Um, so they, they've already started talking about plans to do X-Men spinoff movies again. Um, they have name-dropped uh, Mystique because, no. Jennifer, because Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know about that one. I mean, it, I don't know if I she's not it. really a character that ever felt really all that fully formed, although, I mean, a lot more so in, in, days of, in uh, First Class. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence brought a lot to that role. She did. I don't know, but I just don't know if the character has enough without bringing in the whole motherhood of other characters yeah, problem. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I mean, you've also got this timeline issue now as well, and who knows what's going to happen with Apocalypse, but I know this movie is set in the 70s. Uh, Days of Future Past is set largely in the 70s, and I believe Apocalypse is supposed to be set largely in the 80s. Um, so who knows? I mean, I mean that actually presents a lot of opportunities there, where you could essentially do a Mystique movie in really any era. You want to do one in the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, and nineties? You could really well, well, not, you not want. the two thousands. Yeah, well, probably not. But but again, it also depends on how Days of Future Past ends up connecting back to the first trilogy. You know, if they really kind of wipe the slate clean, or if this ends up. You know, trying to be like, well, this is how we got there. You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, the other names they've dropped are uh, Deadpool, which you know they oh, were boy. talking about that along a while back too. That Ryan, Re they wanted to do a Deadpool movie with Ryan Reynolds, and he Without was sewing for his a long mouth time. shut this yeah, time. That was, that was terrible. The Merc with a mouth. Yeah, let's take away his mouth yeah, and that, not make him a mercenary. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's still Deadpool. So many levels, idiots. Um, but the other one. Is Gambit, and that's a character that like a lot of X Men fans have been like really, really wanting to see, and I think we're fairly disappointed by Taylor Kitsch. And it's not even necessarily I think that they were disappointed by Taylor Kitsch so much as they were just disappointed that he was barely in that movie. You know, like, I don't even think it was that performance. I think it just it felt like well, we kind of saw him a little bit, but not in any meaningful way. No, no reason. Um, do you have? Do you have? Special a special feeling in your heart for Gambit? 
Because my, my, um, my main exposure to Gambit was the cartoons, basically. Me too. Um, um, special feeling? <laughs> I'm not going to... No. 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 Would you watch a Gambit movie? I would. You've got a little New Orleans blood in you, so that's I, just a little special I'm connection insulted. for you. Oh, I was Christ. being facetious. I, uh, <laughs> would I watch a Gambit movie? Yes. Would I see it on opening day? Probably not. Yeah. That's, I'll go that far. You come around to it. Well, no, I, 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 I would let other people let Miss test it for me first. Yeah. Because, honestly, I mean, I didn't... I, I have a much more special feeling about the character of yeah. Wolverine. And I didn't see... I, I still haven't seen The Wolverine. We should watch that. It was pretty good. I, I, I would watch it. And I, you know, as far as seeing Wolverine with fire escapes, I only watched that because you made me. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. That whole movie's pretty important. Have you seen either of the Wolverine spinoff movies? Mm-hmm. Right now? Yeah. X-Men, X-Men, one, X-Men 1, 2. That's it. Oh, right. oh, good. Stop now. Oh, no. Watch <laughs> First Class. No, 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 no. I mean, no. I mean, with the original. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stop. Don't, yeah, don't watch the don't third watch, one. The no, third don't, don't do that. Um, and the, the first Wolverine spinoff movie is, is awful. The highlight of the first Wolverine movie is when he fights a fire escape. Um, and I'm not. I'm not joking. He literally, he fights, he literally a fi- fights a fire escape. It's not like it's an animate fire yeah. escape. It's just a fire escape. Yeah, and he, he beats the shit out of it. He does beat the shit it out of it. Just wouldn't stop sliding. Yeah, <laughs> that motherfucker is just sliding at him. Yeah, and he's got to cut it all up. So yeah, who's asking? That fire escape got what was coming to it. Right. You know, all saving people from fires and shit like that. Yeah, and, and, and escaping and shit. And escaping. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a horrific experience in my yeah. life. Oh, wow. um, you don't ever have to do it ever again. No, thank God. Uh, well, I think I think that probably just about does it for us. That pretty much brings us up to date. I think that pretty much brings us up to date. Who needs um, a drink? Who, who does need a drink? I, I need a drink. My, my beer is pretty much empty here. Um, well, uh, thank, thank you, Jamie. Thank you for put it, putting up with our uh, nonsensical nonsensory. Uh, and watching Bubble Boy, I promise I won't make you watch it again for a while. Evolution. Whatever, the next time you make me watch it, I'm just going to make you watch me again. It's going to be great. Can we watch yeah. Evolution? Oh, yeah. Have you seen Evolution, I've... Jamie? That's right. Multiple times. That's right. Well, I haven't watched that in the one in a while. Either. I always pair those two together because they're yeah. just stupid I enough like to like Evolution. Evolution. <laughs> Evolution's pretty great. Have you seen Evolution, Fernando? No. Oh. <laughs> See oh, what happened? Winner. See what happened just now? Orange whip. Orange whip. Orange, orange whip. whip. Three orange whips. Uh, so maybe <laughs> a bullhorn and a hot chocolate. <laughs> Something I don't even remember what it is. Why is he in there? I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, so I'm I'm going on vacation, uh, not this coming week, but the following week. So we're gonna we're gonna see uh, cheap thrills and midnight on Friday, and then I'm getting on a plane like. Five hours later, so mm, um, so and then I'm gone for a week. So uh, I guess that podcast is going to come later. Yeah, I don't know, probably. But either way, all that just means is for anyone who doesn't live here in Boston and can't go to the Coolidge, you have more time. You have ample opportunity to watch Cheap Thrills, which you can watch uh, on on iTunes or Google Play uh, or probably through your local cable provider or satellite provider. It's probably on demand there as well. Um, but either way, uh, get ready for cheap thrills. It's fucking great. Um, 
please uh, subscribe to us on the iTunes uh, or the SoundCloud if that's if that's easier for you, uh, depending on your particular breed of device or your heart bleed status. Indeed, um, uh, as always, you can find me uh, online uh, on the Twitters at Daily Screening uh, or on. Facebook, and of course uh, at uh, dailyscreening.com. Uh, Bart, you are an internet phantom as always. As always. As always. Uh, Jamie, you're similarly an internet phantom. Fernando, are you on the Twitters? I'm um, on the Twitters for work. You're on the Twitters for work, but not for... Let's get him fired. I am the only I am the only one on, on the Twitters for recreational purposes. Uh, all right. Well, then you can, you can follow what me is, and none of these other people. What do you think that says about this crowd? Uh, I think it says either I'm awesome and you're lame or you guys are of an elevated intellectual persuasion and I am a Neanderthal. By, you know... Popular Sh- vote by showing of hands. <laughs> is it option B? Hmm, I wonder. I think I'm just a man of the people. Uh, but please uh, follow along, subscribe, enjoy, rate us, review us on the iTunes. Uh, yeah, I think I that think, matters in some I way. I don't, I don't, I don't know think anyone how, has but, yet. Yeah, probably not. But uh, I don't feel quite free. Have the heart to do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. But uh, a little later. That's probably. what that's what the other people are for. Is that what they're for? I've been, I've been wondering for a while yeah, now. Yeah, that's, that's my... my <laughs> they're they're, they're not here to actually listen to yeah, us. I don't know. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you for listening, and uh, as always, have a wonderful tomorrow. Tomorrow.